This is A is for Adversity, a podcast about curating your life stories to connect more deeply with others. Some stories may have Christian undertones, and all stories will involve a realization or transformation of some sort. I'm your host, Jen Banks. This is episode U, Unexpected Blessings from Trials. Hello, I'm excited to share with you my interview with Candice this week. She is such a great conversationalist, and I am so glad I was able to meet her. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, Thanks for having me. Yes. Thank you for meeting with me. This is awesome. You're the first one that I've met with that's been referred to me as opposed to me finding a guest to be on my podcast. So, oh, cool. yeah. Cool. Yeah, I love those connections starting to be made. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, for my listeners, Candace was introduced to me by Cody, one of the storytellers from my storytelling show. And so you're in the same ward? Yeah. Got it. And why do you think he referred you? Do you what, did you give a talk in church or you just had talked to him a couple of times or... So Cody is awesome. And when I decided to start my little nutrition coaching business, he was helping me um, with video editing and stuff. Hmm. And then his wife, Ashlyn, designed my logo. And we just spent a lot of time together. And I watched his little daughter. So we're friends. Got it. Yeah. We're friends. A lot of things in common. And we, we're both people who really like to learn new things. Yeah. So I guess maybe that's why. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, I was just interested to know. And then for my listeners, do you want to describe yourself a little bit or introduce yourself? Sure. I am a mom. I have four boys, ages 7 to 16. And I am married. And my husband has been working from home for a long time, which is great. Yes. That was actually one of the rare blessings of COVID. What else? I like being out in nature. I like being left alone because that doesn't happen very often when you're a mom of four boys. Mm, yes. <laughs> and I enjoy having in-depth conversations with people. So Good. there you go. There's a little bit about me. Yeah, no, that was perfect. I just found out I'm pregnant with my third boy. So I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yep. yep. You're in the thick of it. Yep. Crazy. This season right now, just hang on. Cause this season that I'm in right now is the best. Ooh, that's awesome I to know. It. Yes. It's better. Yeah. I know. I've heard before there's different stages of parenting, you know, kind of right now it's really like physical parenting, changing diapers, getting up and, you know, taking care of, but later it'll be more emotional or like fun parenting. So yes, yeah. <laughs> definitely so, different, different. Okay. And then um, tell us a little bit about your experience, kind of like what you shared with me over the phone or maybe, yeah. My, my adversity experience. Yes, your adversity experience. That's good. So after the birth of my first son, I just started having these really strange skin symptoms. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but it was involved where a baby is born. TMI for everyone. So, so that's like kind of a private thing I want to talk about. I used to never talk about that. Yeah. And the more kids I've had and the more women I've met, I'm like, we all need to talk about everything because <laughs> I want to help you if I can. Yes. Um, anyway, and it just progressively became more and more painful and more of an issue. And it was just like, I was just living in constant pain. And 
going to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor, and no one knew what it was. Mm. I was told this was over a span of about five years. So I had two other kids during this time as well. It would go away when I was pregnant. So I knew it was hormonally related. Mm. No one believed me when I would say that. And it just kind of affected like every single part of me. Cause when you're living in constant pain and then you also don't have a name for this thing. And I don't know, it really gave me a lot of compassion for people who struggle with kind of chronic pain and all there's all different varieties of chronic pain. I had yeah. never experienced that before in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was told all sorts of, I mean, I had multiple surgeries. I was told I had severe allergies to things, but then I also was told that I had cancer. So it was just this like really confusing, <laughs> confusing time. Yes. And I thought that I would always have this problem for the rest of my life. And so, um, yeah, that was my, that was the learning growth experience that I had. So yes, from like 2003 to two, no, 2005 to 2010. And then I was able to finally find a doctor who, instead of just guessing, actually like took samples of the area and tested the skin and sent it all these special things. And it finally got a name and the issue was easily treatable and started getting better within like two weeks. Hmm. And then I made some major changes to the way that I eat and I haven't had the issue for years and completely gone. So crazy that this little easy to fix thing because people couldn't name it properly or weren't aware what it was. Impacted you so much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Life alteringly awful. Oh, wow. Anyway. So, but the unexpected lessons that came. Yes. Um, there were so many little blessings. We talk a lot about in our faith, when you are going through a trial, you can either choose to turn toward God, or you can choose to turn away. Some people choose to become angry and bitter and walk away from the things that are their foundation. And some people try to strengthen their faith. And I really spent a lot of this time really doubling down on trying to have a strong relationship with Heavenly Father. I I wanted to be healed. But when I was in like year two and three, that just seemed like it was no one knew. No one knew how to help me. I just thought this was going to be a problem for the rest of my life. So then it became, how do you live with this? And how do you accept it? And I remember the day that I was told I had cancer sitting. So I went by myself because I didn't think that that was what it was going to be. And it wasn't. But this doctor was very confident that that's what it was. And I, and I had two little babies at the time. And I remember just sitting in my car, like with the realization of what if, what if I, what if this takes me, what if I die from this? How can I leave my babies? How can I leave my husband? How, and it just, I was just really consumed with fear and doubt, um, But I remember in that moment when I just felt so afraid, there was just kind of a gentle enveloping love, like you will be okay. It will Mm. be okay. Even if you die, you are, I will take care of you. I will take care of your children. This just kind of a feeling and thoughts I was having that because of what I believe and what I hope for in the end, it will all be okay. And I just thought, okay, 
okay, it'll be okay. We have to move forward. Wow. Um, so that, that was, I don't know, a level of comfort I'd never received before because I'd never needed it mm -hmm. up until that point. I mean, I'd gone through hard things before, but I hadn't really faced my own mortality before as a young mom. That's not something you're thinking about as a young person. particularly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and then um, I remember, so in about year three, I, there are these books by Susan Easton Black and Liz Lemon Swindle is an artist. She does the artwork in the books and it's just kind of a book about the history of the savior's life. Hmm. And so I have the picture to show you, even though it's on podcasts, I'll right. try to describe it to, to people who clearly can't see it. Um, and it just kind of became my hmm. and you see it's yeah just, so this is the it's a picture of when the savior is in gethsemane and he is suffering and god can't take away what he needs to feel in order to perform the atonement but he sends someone to comfort christ I'm not exactly sure who that someone is a lot of people speculate that it was probably adam as michael who came hmm. to be with, be with the savior and I just remember reading and studying about that and, and just that image when I was in the middle of all this, um, I just had a very powerful impression that I'm not, I will not be left to suffer alone, but even makes me emotional now yeah. when we go through hard challenges, he doesn't say, Oh, I'll be with, I'll be waiting for you on the other side. Just get through and I'll make it all okay in the end. And I think before this experience, that's kind of the mentality I have. Like I do my best and I give my all and the savior will make it right in the end. But this experience taught me, no, 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 it's not in the end. It's right now. He's with me right now. He can't take the pain away, but he can feel it with me. He can comfort me. He can give me inspiration and courage and strength to face another day of just kind of being in pain and help me to have patience with my kids and help me to continue to seek for answers instead of giving up. And I just felt that just the empowering power of the atonement helping me right then. Yes. And that really changed my life. Because sometimes so beautiful. That don't go away, mm -hmm. but you don't have to wait until then to get help. Yeah. I love that. No, um, I've heard before that, God will bring us to a place where no one can help us but him because, you know, it's like you said, you don't really realize that until you have to go through it. And it's a good learning experience so that you do understand that power and that comfort that's available. Yeah. So yeah. even though I don't wish that on anyone, I'm so grateful I had that experience. I'm so grateful for the way that it informed me going forward because then I started looking for ways to include the Savior and all the other little things that didn't seem so life shattering. Um, he seemed more like a partner that was with me every day throughout the day, instead of this distant thing I didn't quite understand, but thought was marvelous and wonderful. And I still feel that way, but I just know I can have access to that now. And for a long time, I never spoke about it because it was just kind of an embarrassing thing to talk about. Um, I decided to just be a little bit more open about things. And as I have been, 
there are so many women who have struggled with the same thing and were also not getting the help that they needed. And a brief conversation helped them to feel better. And so that was another unexpected blessing was there were all these connections and it was very empowering to be like, oh, I can actually take this thing that was not fun and awful for me to experience and turn it around and then be able to have empathy and compassion and useful information for people who are going through the same thing. Yes. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to ask you about that. So I was glad that you led right into that. Was there a specific instance where it happened or you just kind of realized the more you heard about it, like, no, I need to share my story. That's a good question. I need to think back. Mm -hmm. There was a specific instance I had a friend So when I was pregnant with my first child, when it's your first time and you don't, you know, it just is all consuming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your first pregnancy is all consuming. Yes. And I remember complaining a lot to people mm-hmm. <laughs> in my friend groups and asking for a lot of advice and things like that. And at the time I had a friend who I didn't realize this, but she was struggling with infertility. So here I was pregnant and complaining about how awful it was when all she wanted was to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. I didn't learn this until many, many years later. And I wondered why she kind of distanced herself from me a little bit because it, it was hurting her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wished that I had known what she was going through because it would have completely informed how I would have behaved. I would have been a lot more or respectful. And I would have been a lot more compassionate (laughs) about what she was going through. And it just made me realize, especially in our women groups, if we're not open and honest about what we're struggling with, a lot of times we can have our feelings hurt or we can feel like we're alone when we're not, Mm -hmm. we're not as women. We have this huge range from infertility to, you know, always having babies on accident until you're so overwhelmed, you don't know what to do and everything in between. I mean, the hormonal gamut, whoa, it's, Mm -hmm. that's a huge continuum. Yes. And, but within that experience, you can always find someone who's experienced something similar to you if you're willing to talk about it. And that's what made me, that's what made me say, okay, so I need to be more open about my personal experience as well so that I can help people. And also so that people are safe to know my situation and can be compassionate towards me as well. Yeah. Makes you more approachable. And also in that, it was reminding me that what we're all going through, what we're all suffering so many times it's not visible. And so with that chronic pain that you had, no one would know unless you said something or infertility, you know, people have a broken arm or they have a disability and that's, you know, outward and we can see that. But if it's, something we're struggling with internally, then yeah, like you said, we, we need to be open about that so that others can relate to us or share or, you know. And I understand why people may be hesitant sometimes because sometimes we're not comfortable sharing those personal things and that's okay. You don't have to go into intense detail and mm-hmm. lay out all your dirty laundry for everybody. I, I mean, some people are comfortable with that. Great. But if you're not, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I just remember being in situations where lessons are being taught and and discussions are happening. And I'm aware of situations about the women around me, like maybe once recently divorced or once struggling with a child 
who has decided or has come out as gay or whatever it is. And the person who is leading the discussion doesn't know. Mm. And it's just saying things that you're just like cringing inside. So I made it a habit to be like, okay, everybody, whenever I have to teach, just I'm going to do the best that I can. I want to be understanding of your situation. And if something I'm saying isn't fitting right with your situation, please let me know. Please just let me know how your experience is different because then we can all learn better from each other than if we're all just silent pretending our lives are just perfectly tied up with the boat. Nobody's is. That's a lie. (laughs) Yes, that's so true. And you're so right. It's not one size fits all all these lessons and experiences are tailored to us. And so we get the nuances if we share them. So that's so, that's so profound. (laughs) Yes. So thank you. Uh, What's one of your favorite inspirational quotes? Oh, years ago. Okay. I guess I have to back up a little bit. (laughs) I was born with this neurotic need, even as a child to finish things. Mm. So I was obsessed with like making sure my room was organized and making sure my homework was turned in on time. And like, I don't know. I just came that way. Mm -hmm. Probably annoying, probably really (gasps) annoying to my husband because we are both very different. He is just like a free spirit and lives in the moment. And I'm like, we have to prepare for the future. (laughs) We have to go through all the things. So, but um, I, for me, for some reason, it's really, really important to be the type of person that if someone asks me to do something, they know that I will do it. And years ago during a conference talk, president Monson talked about how he was walking past a store window and, um, there was a sign posted for, they needed top, top, they were hiring. So they needed employees, but it said finishers wanted. They didn't want to hire people who were just going to quit or couldn't handle the work they needed. And, and that just really, really resonated with me because it fits with my neurotic personality. And it's something I really want to teach my kids to just be reliable and dependable. And it's okay to be able to say, I can't make that work. But if you've committed to something, you need to see it through. Hmm. Um, so that's just, I don't know, something about my own crazy self that's obsessed with <laughs> no, but I love it. We need more of that for sure. Well, I don't know if my husband would agree with you because he'd be like, you've been working on that project for six hours and we could use some help here in the kitchen. We don't know what we're having for dinner. Can you just take a little pause? No, I have to finish this first. So there's some balance <laughs> that can there be worked on too, but it definitely is important to be a finisher. For sure. Yeah. My friend and I were talking about that in the last episode. Right now, since we have kids in this stage of life, it's so hard to be a finisher, but it's so true. Like fundamentally be a finisher. I love that. Yes. Or whatever you're trying to be a finisher with, adapt it to your season. Mm -hmm. Because there would be these goals that I'd have for myself that when I was in the stage of having young children, it just wasn't going to be feasible to get this much reading in and this much exercise in and whatever I had been used to when my life was more my own. So I really tried to just fit in a tiny little fraction, you know, mm-hmm. walk up and down the stairs three times. If you can't get outside to work at whatever it is that I've decided read for five minutes, something that inspires you, or I'm, I've been trying to learn Spanish for like 10 years. So, <laughs> but every day I just work on it for five minutes because during nap time I could have so these little things that I just, I don't know, do for That's a short true. amount of time so I don't lose them completely because it is really hard, especially if we think we have to commit a lot of time when really the time is taken, especially in your season, by the littles. 
Yes, that's a very, very good point too. So just levels of finishing, like finish it all, but set a little lower level of what you can finish. <laughs> yes. yes, that's good. Lower your expectations yes. when you don't have time. Amen. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. I really enjoyed this. It was fun for me too. I appreciate yes. it. Thank you, Candace. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to pitch your story for the podcast, or if you want more storytelling strategies, contact me at jenbanks16 at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at jenbankscoaching.